It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. episode of Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, November 13th, 2022. And man, it feels great outside. I have got my heater going the first time of the year. I say that. Not the first time of the year. First time of the season for me to have my heater fired up. For me to have the heat going, it's it's pretty cold. It's going to be cold, I'll tell you that. For those of you who may not know, I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't, and I'm perfectly okay with that. The world would be a better place if we could all disagree without being such punks. But when it comes to communicating, we can do better. And if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros got a lot to get to today actually i i don't know i don't have a lot i feel like sometimes i just say that but i have one big 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 thing to get to today it's going to occupy most of the time you'll still get your biden clips don't you worry don't you worry about that he keeps feeding them to us i'm gonna keep feeding them right back to you sit back relax and let me do the clip playing for about the next 30 to 45 minutes well, good day, everyone. Welcome back to another crazy episode of Clown Town. I'm your host, the Three Ring Circuit. What do they call that dude? The, the director? The Oh, man. What's the main guy of the circus? What is, oh, the ringleader. I'm your ringleader. <laughs> Here to talk about all the craziness in this world circus that we're living in. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about the erect, uh, the elections. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that because I feel like that's everywhere and we're kind of tired of it. And there's something else that's going on in the world that's far more interesting to me than elections. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. It is the absolute truth. So let's talk about elections first. You know, at this point, I, I sometimes think that's it. Let it all burn down. I surrender. I don't care about the political process. I don't care about who we put into office. They're all goobers. No one can pick winners. 
And maybe, just maybe that's the way it's going to be. That's just how it's going to be forever. We're just going to keep electing these silly people who aren't leaders, that don't stand on principles, that lead by emotions, that accept huge donations and payoffs from corporations, and there's nothing we can do about it. It's just, it's just going to be how it goes. Now, if you can't tell, I'm a little bit dismayed. You know, I don't want to sit around and have everyone call me an election denier. But sometimes I wonder, you know, I don't put it past either party to cheat. These people want power more than anything else. They will cheat. I would not be surprised if they cheated. Now, does that make me an election denier, right wing conspiracy theorist, Nazi fascist, fill in the blank? You you can decide. I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But listen to enough shows and make your own decision. You know, there's a few things I don't understand. I don't understand how in Georgia, a professional football player who's from Georgia can't win an election. Now, am I saying that that's the way it should be? Is that we sh people should win elections because they're former athletes and they're from a state? Nope, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that I'm surprised that he didn't win. Because the way things go, people pick winners and losers based on things like what they've done for a living and how well they speak in public and how smiley they are. And he kind of fits. He fits all those check, check boxes. But it's so close. we got to go to a runoff. The, the state of Georgia is so divided. It's so, it's so politically balanced just perfectly that we can't pick the winner of an election without having a do-over. It amazes me that Pennsylvania will elect someone who, who cannot gather his thoughts and organize his sentences. Now, when I first talked about John Fetterman, I wasn't really sure. I hadn't really listened to him speak a lot. The more he spoke, the more I thought, how does this guy stand a chance? Now, I know that may be insensitive and so mean of me and just to not give him a chance because he's a stroke victim. I mean, <laughs> I listen every now and then to this podcast called Pod Save America. It's about as left-leaning as you can get. Probably the most liberal group of, well, I'm not going to say men, because I, I think these guys are like kind of small. You know, here's how I picture. Here's how I picture these guys that sit around and cuss about Republicans and and, and call us election denier, Nazi, fascist, racist, homophobe, xenophobe, greedy, whatever. Keep going if you want. But I picture them about like, between 5'4 and 5'9, maybe like um, 125 to 165 pounds, maybe 135. These guys probably sit around and, and compare notes about their favorite philosophers and how, how rich the history is amongst the small villages in Germany and how the, how the U.S. could be more like Europe and, and what it would look like if we were just, if we could just emulate... Norway and just be socialist and they're happy to drink seven, eight, nine, ten dollar cups of coffee and they have their little computer programming jobs where they make two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars a year and they might work fifteen to twenty five hours a week from home, socially distanced, of course. Their jeans are very, very, very tight. These people do not like anything loose on their body. They they like for the, the, the little testicles that they have to be just all mashed up into a little teeny tiny ball where everything just gets 
mashed up together. And hopefully you don't ever sweat. Because if you do, I'm not going to say it because y'all might be y'all might be eating or having a cocktail or something. But you get the idea. These guys think it's cool to drive Teslas. And they wear dark rim glasses. And they have record players. And they drink chai latte and matcha tea. And they respect every religion except for Christianity. That we should understand and, and accommodate Muslims for everything that they need. Which, hey, that's fine. Let's just treat them all the same. That's my opinion. Let's treat the Muslims and the Christians the same. They think that entrepreneurship's easy. And that if you, all you have to do to start a business is just print a business card. Yeah. And the, these people think that because they make so much money doing so little work that everyone else does too. And that the only reason that people are poor is because they've been suppressed their whole life and they haven't been given a fair shake. There's no personal responsibility for the decisions that you make and the consequences that you suffer. So, so these are the kinds of guys who are on Pod Save America. And yes, I listen to them because I'm interested to hear what they have to say. Whether or not I agree with them, and I don't, I think they're clown boys, but I still want to hear what they have to say. Now, the difference between the left and the right is that the left does not want to hear what the right has to say. And that is all I'm going to say. Was I just generalizing? Sure. Absolutely I was. Do I think there was some accuracy in every single one of my calls? Yep, I do. That's just my opinion. You know what? If I met these guys in person, I would still treat them respectfully. I'd be nice to them. I wouldn't wish ill things upon them. But it won't formulate or it won't change the opinion that I formulated about them. But I'll still be nice to them. But I can still have my opinion about them. You see how these things can coexist? You see how we can have a feeling about something and also think something different? There's certain people who can't separate those two. And my whole point is going back to John Fetterman, this guy who suffered from a stroke a few months ago, he can't hardly put sentences together. He can't speak in public. Does that mean I don't have compassion for the guy? No, it doesn't. But you've got these left-wing, tight-jean-wearing guys that run around and scream, just because he had a stroke doesn't mean he can't lead as a senator. And for you to say otherwise makes you a right-wing conspiracy theorist, Nazi, fascist, you know the, the thing. Go, you know the, you know the thing. As for me, I'm okay saying, hey, this guy had a stroke. I feel bad for him. Let's let him recover. Let's let him sit out on an election cycle and not be so prideful that we're going to cart this guy up on stage and make a mockery of him and let the let the right-wing assholes just have a field day making fun of this poor guy. Why, why not just tell the guy, dude, just get back on track. Focus on your health. Get your mind right. Get to where you can speak sentences properly, and then we'll put you back out there and try again. Now, don't get me wrong. This guy was a terrible leader and a pathetic politician before he had the stroke. So I don't think he was qualified either way. Regardless, I feel like the left capitalized on the fact that he had a stroke. And I don't know. I could be wrong. That's just my intuition, right? This is not facts. This is just an opinion. But man, you know, the idea that we're electing people on any other reason than than how good of a leader they are, how much of a badass, how much people respect them as a human is just, it, it crushes me. And that's why I think like maybe it's not worth it. 
Maybe to, it's not worth caring about all this. Just live your life and do your thing. And let these idiots who are trying to run the country do whatever it is they want to do. And all you have to do is better than your neighbor. That, that really, that's, that's how I feel a lot after, you know, I've never, I've never been the victor of an election. Not, not like I've ever wanted to be, you know. And I just, one of these days, I want my guy to win. I want my freaking guy to win. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of making a big deal out of it. But it's kind of because it's important to me. And you know what? I feel like, I feel like that if the left was electing people that were respectable leaders who I thought to myself, you know what? This guy, his viewpoints, I don't agree with, but I would not want to challenge him in a boardroom meeting. And, and whether they're left or right, those are the types of people that need to be leading the country. The kind of people that have a presence that, that I don't want to say make people fear them, but that has a respect for them. And that instantly, when people speak who are leaders, people around them notice. I talk about this all the time. We've all been around someone who's a strong character, strong personality, a leader, doesn't back down from their opinions. And we've also all been around people who are like the, the used car salesman guy that everyone likes, that can go to a party and everyone's like, hey, high five, I'm glad you're here. But then when he leaves, they're all talking bad about him and how he's cheating on his wife and all the money that he's stolen from people he's worked around. And those are the kinds of people we're electing. And that's what kills me. That's what kills me. There's nothing I can do. I'm just a little tadpole in a, in a sea of big fishes. But I can come here and vent. So, that, so that's what you get to hear. So, yeah, I mean, the elections, I don't know. What, why all of a sudden we're taking four days to count votes? I don't care which side wins. I don't care. I want fair elections. We have all the technology. We can download movies in a second. And it takes us four days to count votes. So whatever it is in the process that's causing that, whether it's mail-in voting or not having enough ballots at the boxes in Houston, whatever the reason is, we need to fix it. We need to make it so that it does not take seven days to count votes. I mean, what is this, 1855? Does that not just leave open the possibility for too much nefarious activity? So the the Democrats didn't get trounced like I thought they would and like I hoped they would. And and not that I feel like Republican politicians are a lot better. I really I think that they're all slime ball, not all of them. I think most of them are slime balls regardless of which side of the aisle they sit on. And so I have I have three choices, right? I either vote for the people the slime balls that I despise their policy and that I don't like the platform which they claim to stand on, which most of them don't actually stand on said platform, but I don't like the policies that they pretend to support. Or I vote for the slime balls who pretend to stand on the policy that I support. So I have to vote for the lesser of two evils. And I have taken a complete 180 degree turn on this. I have spun around. I used to say, I remember I did not vote for Trump in his first election. I said, I was taught to vote for the person I believe the most in. I was not taught to vote for the person of the enemy of, that I hate the most. And now I'm like, you know what? Both of these people are worthless. Both of these sides are useless. We have to just either pick one or the other or you don't vote. You sit out. And I will vote. I'm going to exercise my right to vote. 
and I have to pick the lesser of two evils, and it crushes me. I hate it. I want to live in a place where I can feel, I can feel proud about the politicians who represent the people. And I don't know that a place like that in the world exists. It's probably utopian. But here we are. The elections are over. Uh, it's going to be gridlocked. The House and the Senate will be at a stalemate. So that's good. You know, I'm of the opinion that the best thing that these idiots can do is nothing. Just don't change anything. All these people always talk about, I got to go up there in Washington and just get stuff done. He got to get, he don't get nothing done. He got to, we got to just get somebody to go up there and just whip them right, whip them in shape, just get stuff done. And I don't agree with that. Let's get nothing done. Let's just take a break from doing things. When we do things that cost money, when we do things that takes resources, when we do things we create division, just stop doing things for once, please. Hey! going nowhere. I'm still gonna be right back in the streets. You did, cause I'm innocent. I don't care what nobody gotta say. Speaking of big testicles. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Would anybody like to venture a guess as to how much money old Beta O'Rourke, old, old pants wetting, goofy looking skateboard riding okay all right i'll stop making fun of him but anyone want to guess how much money beta raised for this gubernatorial election and as we all know he lost he didn't didn't go very far he tried real hard he drove all over the state and spent tons and tons of all your money trying to turn texas blue how'd that work out for you beto how did that work out further you said quote americans who own ar-15s and ak-47s will have to sell them to the government all of them you know the critics call this confiscation are you proposing taking away their guns and how would this work i am if it's a weapon that was designed to kill people on a battlefield what weapon wasn't designed to kill people beta what weapon was not designed to kill people if the high-impact, high-velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that so that you would bleed to death on a battlefield and not be able to get up and kill one of our soldiers. When we see that being used against children, and in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15, mm -hmm. and that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances He's to get hot. to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. And there you have it. That's how you lose... An election in Texas, ladies and gentlemen. That is how you take $60 million and you water it up and you throw it in a toilet and you flush it. You flush it down the drain. $60 million. The only thing that makes me happy about that situation is that I know none of it was mine and not much of it, maybe a little bit of it, was from people that I care about, family and friends and whatnot. But most of them would never send a red cent to this fool. So, last week, I think I'd mentioned I want to crunch a little numbers and see how much money these fools have wasted in elections. So, Beta, his, his new tally between all three erections, the Senate, the House, the Governor, around 200 to $220 million 
$220 million. That means that someone has to take money from their bank account, from some checking account somewhere, that they either earned through taking on risk or with their own hard work, and they had to give it to him. They had to say, here you go, Beto. You can use this money to go win the election. And it's not just because they also want to take away the AR-15s from the Texans. It's because there's policy that Beto will pass that will help them recoup that money and then it's a little bit more on top of that. See, this is how these things work. Shrewd business people, smart businessmen, don't just give away money to guys like Beto O'Rourke without expecting something in return. So I sure hope he just keeps running and keeps losing and people just keep throwing money at him. Maybe maybe he'll go to Oklahoma next and he'll start out you know, as a, as a, as a city council member or he'll sit on the school board. And then he'll just tell them that he has aspirations of being president one day. And then I'll throw money at him and he can go back to California and New York and get money from all the donors there and pump it into the Texas economy, you know, spend it on us so he can lose again. $210 million, $220 million. What an absolute joke. His funding has got to be cut off. I don't see how people will keep giving him money, but man, I sure hope they do. I want to see if this guy can set a record for the most expensive losses in political history. Which leads me to my next commentarian section. It's estimated that the 2022 elections was the most expensive midterms ever run, coming in at a whopping $16.3 billion. $16.3 billion. You'd think, is there something else that maybe we could do with $16.3 billion that might be a little bit more value to the common man of this country than trying to win elections? Or do we think that it's worth spending that much money just so that there's no right-wing conspiracy theorists that are taking over the government and organizing Nazi rallies? Or, or do we just get caught up in this hysteria and just funnel money to these idiots who don't do anything except cause problems? But Brandon, how can you say that all these people are slumballs and you like Ted Cruz? He's a slimeball too. Okay, he maybe he is. Maybe he is a slimeball. But remember, I got to pick the worst of the slimeballs. We're no longer trying to pick a non-slimeball. All we're trying to do is pick the least slimy slimeball. I can't stand the fact that Ted Cruz just keeps trying to fund Ukraine for the record. Just so I could go back and say, see, I don't say everything good about my people. I point out the bad in the people that I vote for. Who else does that? Who else do you know points out the bad things of the politicians that they vote for? But yeah, $16 billion. $16 billion, $220 million on the senator race in Texas. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, a, I'm out of steam. I'm out of energy. It's just it's tough for me to accept that we live in this world. But we do. We do. Think about how much good you could do with, 22, with $220 million. Let's just say $220. And even $220 million. And I hand you this $220 million, and I say, you cannot keep any of this money. You can't do anything with it. It's not for you to spend. You can't go buy Lambos, no jets, nothing. You just got to go do good things with it. Would you run for office? Would you spend $220 million trying to be elected? Or would you say, man, $220 million. Let's see, Texas, uh, there's 254 states. 
I could almost spend a million dollars, or sorry, county, there's 254 counties. I sound like Joe Biden and Barack Obama not knowing how many states there are. There's 254 counties in Texas. I could almost give each county a million dollars. What could they do with that? They could build a fire station. They could build a police department. They could refund a bunch of tax money to the taxpayers. They could build co-transgender bathrooms if they wanted to. Or we could build, let's just say you could build a church for a million dollars. Let's just say that you could you could build a decent enough church where people can go when they need food and shelter and they're thinking about suicide and they have problems and need someone to go to. You know, I could build 220 churches for a million dollars each. You think that might do a little bit better than wasting it on lost elections? I don't know. These are the kinds of things we should be mad about. We shouldn't be so mad about... Uh, hold on. I'm going to retract that. I don't like telling people what they should and should not be mad about. So I'm going to just calm down a little bit. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a drink of my diet generic orange soda. And I'm going to say that I think it would be more beneficial to our society if we talked about the things from a broader perspective. Like, why are we spending so much money on elections? What is it that's so important about being elected? Because I can't think of a single politician who's changed anyone's life that I know of any substantial amount. I can't think of one person that I know, and I know a vast array of diverse people. I can't think of one of them who's like, man, if it wasn't for fill in the blank, then fill in the blank wouldn't have rights. They wouldn't be able to vote. They would, you know, it's like, no, we're not, we're, we're all doing okay. Let's just, let's just slow down with the money pumping into elections. Okay. I'm going to chill out on that now. We're going to move on. We're going to move on from elections. That, that was my feeling of the elections. I stayed up till the wee morning hours. I was into it. I wanted to know who was going to win and why and who was going to lose. And then I, I just woke up the next morning and I was like, why? Why even care? So, yeah, that's where I am. I'm sure this will all change in two years. <laughs> this will all come back again, and you'll have to hear me say the same things I was leading up to the election. But that's the way it goes, right? That's why this is free and you don't pay for it. All right, for my next trick, I'm going to play a clip for you, and then we're going to talk about it. Well, I'm going to talk about it. You're going to listen, but I hope you're having a little conversation in your head whenever I talk. I'm going to preface it. I'm going to preface this by saying this is someone speaking to a school board. And that's it. That's all I'm going to leave it at that. You know what's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education? Drag queens. Okay? Let me say this. Drag queens, not only are they not hurting our kids, drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. Drag queens are entertainment. Um, and you know what I'll say that was totally not poll tested? I say this, a drag queen for every school. That, that is what would be fun for kids and lift them up when they are having emotional issues. Now, we live in a world, and, and you think you know what I'm about to say, but you're not right. You're not right. Okay? We live in a world where when we hear this, we get angry and we get upset. And we lash out and we want to do something, we'll fight for it. All them freaks bringing all the man show lady parts to my breakfast brunch. Which, I got a question. Let's just be honest. Why do white girls love drag queen brunch so much? This is something that's been on my mind for a long time. 
But why do they, why do white, liberal, normally suburban girls go so crazy for drag queen brunch? This is a thing. If you don't know this is a thing, I'm telling you, this is a thing. You go look it up your own self. But I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're laughing at them or if they feel guilty because they're so freaky that no one else likes them. So they want to like overdo it and just be super sweet and accommodating. Or are they actually like going to these brunches to have a good time because they're making fun of these people? I don't know. It, it, it's mind boggling. I need to ask a girl. I'm going to find a girl that fits this bill and say, why do you like drag shows for brunch so much? It's the weirdest thing ever. Okay. So let's get back to my topic. My topic was you hear this and you know, the, the idea behind the right media playing this is that you get mad, you get worked up, you want to do something about it, you want to argue, you want to push back. And so when I hear this thing and I listen to your tone of voice and I pay a lot of attention to not only what people say, but how they sound when they say it. And I listened to this clip about five times. I'm going to play it again for you. And I want you to just to just to listen to how the person speaks and if it sounds genuine. You know what's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education? Drag queens. OK, let me say this. Drag queens, not only are they not hurting our kids, Drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. You hear that? Drag queens are fun. Drag queens are entertainment. Um, and you know what I'll say that was totally not poll tested? I say this, a drag queen for every school. That, that is what would be fun. That, that is what would be fun. For kids and lift them up. For kids. Up when they are having emotional issues. Yeah, so that's fake, in my opinion. IMO, I, in my opinion, that's, that's fake. That is a plant. That is somebody who is either paid or volunteered to go create a scene that would cause pushback, right? It would piss off a bunch of these, these soccer moms who, are, who don't want to see drag queens at their schools. It'll get them riled up. And so these are the types of tactics that people are doing now. Now, am I 100% sure? No. Would I be willing to bet a large sum of my Bitcoin on it? Yes, I would. But once again, it's just my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong, you know? Maybe that I'm just, I've, I've overthought it too much and I should think, you know, no one would really do that. That's just, that's stooping too low for humanity. But as time goes on, I'm starting to see not everything is as it seems and nothing is off limits. So just keep that in mind. If you're if you're of the mindset of, well, no one would ever do that, then, then don't. Then don't think about these kinds of things. But if you're in the camp of, I can see why someone would do that. I don't agree with that methodology, but I can see why someone would do that. And I have to be guarded with my feelings as to not succumb to that bullcrap. Because let's just say that all the people who behave this way are plants or imposters, right? So if they're all fake, then we're, we're arguing about nothing. We're getting upset and all hellbent when that's not really how they feel. Now, chances are that there are some people who feel that way. There are some of them. But what do we do to them? We ignore them. We pretend like we don't hear them. We act like they're not even speaking, okay? Anyone who recommends that there's drag queens in schools, 
We should ignore them. Just like just like the left should ignore the people who think that we should have gone in harder on January 6th and we should have taken over and we should have killed Pelosi, right? Because there probably are some people out there who think that. Me, personally, I think it was all fake. I think it was staged. People stayed between the ropes. Anyway, we're not going to go into that right now. But there are people out there who wish that the Trump guys would have actually stormed it, would have actually held people hostage, would have taken over like a third world country. And what do we do to those people? We ignore them also. We ignore extremists. But you see that they, these people that pretend to be left extremists, get us riled up so that we will have hatred towards the left. And this is how we get manipulated by the media. Majority, I don't look them much anymore because I'm not quite sure how to read them anymore. Uh, I hope you are uncertain as well. Um, but the uh, overwhelming majority of American people support the elements of my economic agenda. Well, I'm just saying, I just, I just found it interesting that uh, Biden's being a Biden's being an extremist. Overwhelming majority of American people support the elements of my economic agenda. Well, I'm just saying, I just, I just found it interesting that uh, Biden's being a popular, <laughs> Biden's being an extremist. <laughs> I, oh, man, that's a new one. That's a brand new one. I just got that one this week. Man, he doesn't, I love it. I absolutely love it when he capitulates and he goes, He's, he, you know who he reminds me of? Hang on. Here's who he reminds me of. Turn white. Then I say, son, did you see that hawk after those hands? He scared them. That Rhode Island red turned white. Then blue. Rhode Island. Red, white, and blue. That's a joke, son. A flag waver. You're built too low. The fast ones go over your head. You got a hole in your glove. I keep pitching them and you keep missing them. You got to keep your eye on the ball. Eyeball, eyeball. I almost had a gag, son. Joke that is. That's Joe Biden. You, you, you heard it here first, folks. I'm making myself laugh today. Oh man, if you could see me laughing, you'd be laughing too. That's it. That is Joe Biden. I'm saving that clip. You will hear it again. Well, I'm just saying. I just, I just found it interesting that uh, Biden's being a popular, a pop, a, 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 a cop. Biden's being extremist. Extremist. Man, golly. Remarkably close to this one. Their luxury homes and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Yeah. Kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracy. I wish it didn't bring me so much joy. When, when that second where he capitulates and he, he's kind of frustrated. It reminds me like of a little toddler who's trying to tie his shoes or, or do something difficult. And he, <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh. He's so old. Be nice to him. He's old. Whole white baby, bro. No, no nothing on. And his parents still ain't showed up yet. My crew is big and it keeps getting bigger. That's because Jesus Christ is my nigga. Okay. Moving right along here. We have, to, we have to continue. I only have planned one more topic for the rest of the show. 
I'm going to go in-depth. I'm going to nerd out. I'm going to geek out. If you don't like it, you can tune out. As some of you may have heard, crypto, as you know it, is imploding. Crypto coins, crypto tokens, NFTs are all falling apart. Now, what's happening? Well, luckily you've come to the right place because I don't know anyone who knows more about cryptocurrency than me, and I wish I did. I, I might know one or two guys about, about the same as me, but I wish I had a crypto guy to go to, but I don't. So I've just been figuring it out on my own. So here's what's happening, okay? In the world of cryptocurrency, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start basic and I'm going to go nerd, okay? In the world of cryptocurrency, you have what's called exchanges. Think of it like the New York Stock Exchange, where people go to buy and sell and trade stocks. So the way that it works is you take your U.S. dollars, you send them to this exchange where you have an account. It's all online. There's no floor like the real stock exchange. So it's all online. They say, you've got your account. Here's your money. What do you want to do with it? Well, you can buy one of like 20,000 of these coins where in reality, what these coins are supposed to represent is, and technically this is not what it's supposed to represent, but really in real world, this is what it represents. Equity in a company, a, a partial ownership of a business who's creating a technology company with the backbone of it being blockchain technology. Now, I'm not going to go into blockchain technology because I've done that too many times, but it's just a new technology that decentralizes power and allows computing to take place in a less less centralized manner. So you buy these tokens, okay? These tokens represent ownership. Although they don't claim to, that's what they are. They represent ownership of these businesses. Now, since this is all new, these businesses don't have to be registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. They're just their own little internet company swapping ones and zeros. So there's no, there's no rules, there's no law. If I opened up an exchange and I wanted to trade stocks, there would be all sorts of compliance that you have to do. There's all kinds of red tape. It's very, very, it's like high barriers to entry. It's very difficult to do. But with these crypto exchanges, they didn't have to do it. So you send them your money and you want to buy clown token one and clown token two. And those are what you want to do. Okay. So you buy your clown tokens and now you have them. In theory, the way that it should work is whenever Clown Token 1 starts doing a bunch of innovating and their business starts growing and they start pursuing things that ride on the backbone of their technology, the value of that token should go up, right? That's kind of the way it's they passed it off as working. Okay, so I've sent a dollar to my exchange. I bought my Clown Token 1. Over three or four days, the value of my Clown Token now goes to 2. So now I turn $1 into $2, okay? So let's scale that up a little bit. Let's say that I've turned that 1,000 into 2,000. Then over time, Clown Token goes up some more, and it goes up some more, and then I buy some more, and then I see, uh-oh, Clown Token's starting to go down. Oh, no, should I sell? Clown Token goes down, 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 and then Clown Token goes to zero or whatever, right? So the Clown Token moves around. I've now, remember, I've doubled my money, okay? So I've got my $2,000, only 1,000 of it's mine. So I've got $1,000 house money, $1,000 my money. Then you've got a guy who says, I'll tell you what, I'll loan you some some Beetle token, but if things if you don't pay me back, then I get your clown token. And so you go, okay, that's fine. So he gives you $10,000 worth of Beetle token. So now you have pledged your 
$1,000 of clown token for 10,000 beetle token. And what do you do with that? You can do whatever you want to. You can you can trade it in. You can you can trade it for dollars. You can pull it out, put it in your bank. As long as you're paying back the loan for the for the beetle token, then you can do whatever you want to do with the beetle token. As long as you're paying the guy you borrowed it from. Now remember, you have to pay him in beetle token, not dollars or anything else. You borrowed beetle, you got to pay him back with beetle, okay? So, let's just say that beetle token starts to go down in value. And $1 used to buy 10 beetle tokens, but now since it's gone down in value, $1 only gets you 5 beetle tokens. So, what does that do to your loan that you have to pay back in beetle tokens? Now it's doubled. The amount of dollars that you have to pay that guy back has doubled. So you have to pay him back twice as much because the value of beetle token went down. And so you see that cycle, right? That cycle can keep going, right? Because I can now take the beetle token if I wanted to, and I can loan it out to somebody else. And they could take that beetle token, and then they could loan it to someone else. It's called rehypothecation. There's nothing stopping you from taking the money, borrowing against it, and then loaning it to someone else. That's basically what it is. Okay, so now that's kind of the way things can work on these exchanges. Let's go back to 2017. There's a guy who graduated from MIT. His name was Sam Bankman-Fried. He's the CEO of this exchange that's called FTX. You've probably heard about it. Well, over the course of the last five years... What he did was he built the exchange called FTX. And so since he built the exchange, he knows how to do all this computer programming stuff, right? He knows how to understand trading. He he has a degree in physics, but he went to work for some financial trading company. I don't know how that worked, but either way, it did. So upon graduation, he took what little knowledge he had after he worked for the trading company for a little bit, and he started FTX, and he realized, wow, I can, I can charge people a little fee for trading these tokens, and I can make some decent money. But actually, before that, he saw an opportunity, what's called arbitrage. So he sees that clown tokens are trading for a different price in Japan and South Korea than what they're trading for in the U.S. So what he can do is take advantage of that. He can, he can buy wherever the beetle tokens are cheaper, and he can sell them wherever they're higher. That's just the, that's the simple, simple way of describing it. So it's called arbitrage. You can take advantage of that situation and it's pure risk-free profit. So he was doing this, you know, in his mid twenties, 25, 26 years old, and he was working for him. He was making some money. Okay. Now let's just throw a timeout. This guy's parents are both law professors at, I think Stanford specializing in the legal side of money and trading and economics and the regulatory side of that. So there, he, he was raised by two people who have law degrees specializing in financial regulations. Let's just leave it at that for them. Okay, the, those were his parents. So he built this exchange. He's like, we're just trading these little coins. You know, I found an arbitrage opportunity. There's nothing illegal about that. So, okay, it, it pro proceeds to grow a little bit. He's making money. Okay, now we're going to talk about his right-hand girl, okay? So Sam's right-hand girl, her name is Caroline. They went to MIT together. We don't know if they're a thing, a couple, but that doesn't matter. They were working together. They went to MIT, okay? MIT is important. That's why I keep saying it. Caroline's dad was a big shot at MIT also. In fact, he was the boss of a guy named Gary Gensler. Gary Gensler is now the chairman of the SEC, 
which is the Securities and Exchange Commission. They're the people who oversee all the stock regulations, all the, the trading. The You probably don't realize this, but there is so many rules and laws in how a company goes public and how they issue their shares and what style of shares they issue. And all this stuff is highly, highly regulated. Well, Gary Gensler is the chief of the entire country, Securities and Exchange Commission, the big boss man's over the entire New York Stock Exchange, all the companies that do business there, all the financial institutions. He's the big boss man, okay? His boss at MIT, so Gary Gensler was a professor of blockchain technology at MIT, okay? He taught Bitcoin from its early stages to people at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So none of this is new to him, okay? So remember, Caroline was Sam's right-hand girl. She was the co-founder of FTX. Her dad, Glenn Ellison, was Gary Gensler's boss at MIT. So right around the time that Sam started this exchange called FTX, he also decided he was going to start a hedge fund or a, an investment company who he could solicit to investors and get money from them so that then he could use that money to invest in all the games he was playing with his tokens and his trading and his arbitrage. Okay, all right. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but this is, is, it's impossible to explain this in a linear fashion. So around the time his exchange takes off, 1617, Gary Gensler goes as an employee from MIT in 2021. So about the height of FTX's boom. So in 2021, like, I don't know, from 2021 to 2022, they were calling this guy the next Warren Buffett because he amassed like $30 billion in five years. And he was like, oh, it's just on, it's just on my trading. I'm just, I just have this way of trading and I, it's, it's kind of secret. I don't tell anyone and we do really well with our, with our trading. But he took the approach of like, I just want to give all my money away. I want to do this for the greater good. All right. And he bought it. He also owned a $35 million mansion. He's flying around a private jet. But he wanted to say he wanted to acquire money so he could just give it all away. All right. That was Sam Bankman Freed from FTX. Remember, Gary Gensler, who used to teach blockchain technology, which remember, blockchain technology is what runs crypto. Okay. Joe Biden appointed him. To the chairman of the SEC in 2021, right around the time that crypto was going crazy. So he put him in there. The guy knows about blockchain. He's got to be good fit. He's got to be good for this whole crypto thing. But remember, Gary's boss, who is Gary's boss? His boss was the father of Sam Bankman Fried's right-hand girl. All right? And it's, I hate trying to piece this stuff together in my head. It takes me a while to figure this stuff out. That's why I kind of keep repeating things. So I'm trying to help you see this whole connection here. Think about it like from a first-person perspective, okay? You're, you're this guy, Sam. Your number one helper, her dad, the, your helper's dad, was the boss. You, the former boss of the guy who's in charge of all the SEC that controls all the stock companies, all the stock trading and all that stuff. So they're the ones that are supposed to be in charge of regulating cryptocurrency. So Sam... Throughout 2021, he was going to Congress. He was meeting with them. He was saying, we need to bring about crypto regulations. Okay, We need to regulate this. This environment is too dangerous. It's too risky. These people are too stupid, is basically what he's saying, to manage their own money. And people out there will take advantage of them. They will lose their money. And we need to put in laws in place to stop that. And so he met several times with Gary Gensler. Okay. Here's what I think was happening. Okay, so let me, let me, this is so hard to keep track of in my head. 
Now, recently, FTX, you sh- I'm sure you may have heard, has, has blown up. They became insolvent. They realized that they owed $10 billion more than what they had. They were taking the deposits of the people who were depositing their Beetle coin and their clown coin, and they were taking that and using it to fund trades. So they were trying to, to use that to speculate. It would be like me putting my money with a stockbroker, giving him $10,000, and him going to the blackjack table and betting my $10,000 on his game of blackjack without me even knowing. So this is what Sam Bankman-Fried was doing. And this all has been coming out over the last two or three weeks. And, you know, I, I, I knew this stuff was coming. I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to get this messy. So here's my speculation. This is my new right-wing conspiracy theory. Is that I think, oh, oh one more thing about FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. He was the second, maybe the fourth largest donor to the Democrat Party. In 2021, or I mean, I'm sorry, I think in 2020 election and 2022 election. Let me let me look real quick. Hang on. Okay, so he donated $5.2 million to, to Biden's campaign, and he donated $39.8 million to the midterm cycle. Of that total... 92% has gone to Democrats, with the remainder going to Republicans. Okay, so he gave away almost as much as George Soros, who gave $128 million. Well, not almost as much, but he was not too far behind George Soros. All right, so we got all this to put together now. So hopefully you, you see the ties there. I've got a lot more ties to go into, but before I go into those ties, I want to speculate on what I think may have been happening my right-wing conspiracy theory okay so you've got sam bankman fried and caroline they're front running the exchange now what that means is you can see everyone's buy and sell orders you can see that hey this guy wants to buy at this price and this other guy wants to sell at this price so i can get in there and, and make some off the difference so he's doing that he was also manipulating the price of the coins on his exchange so the price of these coins is only determined by the buying and selling pressure. The more people buy it without sellers, the price goes up. The more people sell it without buyers, the price goes down. Well, he had produced his own token called the FTT token, which a lot of these guys did. It's a complete Ponzi scheme. So he produced this token. He held it as collateral in this other research company called Alameda Research. And he went to people and he said, hey, I've got $15 billion of collateral. Loan me some money. And so these people said, sure, here you go. And he shows them. He says, here's how much money I've been making on my trades, which percentage-wise were probably really good numbers. But all he needed was more money to facilitate those trades so that he could make more money. Because the bigger you bet, the bigger you win. And if you can't bet big because you don't have enough money, you need to go out and borrow money so you can bet big. And then you can pay back the borrowed money and keep the winnings. And so I think that Gary Gensler and Glenn Ellison, remember, who was the father of Caroline, Sam's right-hand girl, these, these are all the little MIT crew, they were funneling this guy money, this Sam Bangman-Fried guy money. Uh, this is just my, this is my theory. We're, we're, we're at a standstill in the story. We don't know what's going to come next. The guy's holed up in the Bahamas, and they don't know what's happening. He's declared bankruptcy. Everyone's lost their money. This is a bigger Ponzi scheme than Bernie Madoff. This is going to make Bernie Madoff look like stealing money from the kids' lemonade stand. 
And so I think that he had his little system to to produce returns, and he was going to these unsuspecting investors, or maybe they were suspecting. I don't know. But I could see him going to, like, Caroline's dad and Gary Gensler and all their country club buddies and saying, hey, we got this guy who's a whiz. He found this loophole in these cryptocurrencies, and he's making tons of money. We gave him 100000 He turned it into 200000 over a couple of days. So what do they do? They start pouring him more money. They start giving him money. Go invest it. Go invest it. Go invest it. Well, what happens? He gets over leveraged. Remember, he, he created this token called FTT. He goes out and he borrows against it. Then he goes out and he bets big with borrowed money. All the investors' money is all tied in here. All the, the, the MIT crew, they've all got their money secretly with this company called Alameda Research which is nothing more than just a company that, that takes in money so that they can make money. They're not producing anything. They're not, there's no productivity. They're just trading ones and zeros. And all this works great whenever crypto is going up, which is what happened from 2018 to the end of last year. But when things start going down, people can't get repaid. So remember, if you borrow something and the value of that something goes down, the person who loaned you the money against that collateral, they need you to increase the value of that collateral. Let's just say I, I took a Rolex to the pawn shop and I pawned it. I said, this Rolex is worth $10,000. I need to borrow $5,000. So they keep the $10,000 Rolex. They give me the five grand. I walk away from the pawn shop. I got to pay 10 grand to get my Rolex back, but I got five grand cash. Well, if the price of Rolex falls below $5,000, what could happen? I could keep the money and not pay for the Rolex, but I'd not get it back by paying the 10. So then he would be SOL because he gave me five and now he's got a Rolex is worth less than five. So if I never paid him back, he couldn't recover his money. So to support this example, the move would be you'd have to go back to the pawn shop and give him the difference between what that Rolex is worth now and what it was when you started the plan. And so if it fell by $1,000, you got to go back to the pawn shop and say, okay, you know, here's another, here's another 1000 I'm giving it to you because it needs to be worth five because that's the money that you gave me. And so as long as the prices of things are going up, this isn't a problem because the guy who has the collateral or rights to the collateral, everything's good. If you don't pay him back, he could just sell the collateral and we're all, we go our separate ways. But the opposite happened. Prices started to fall of all these tokens, all these made up currencies that are just completely fake, that had no real value world to anything. They start plummeting. Well, he can't get out of the hole. It's fallen. He's lost so much that he can't pay these people back. And so what happened was some paperwork leaked that proved kind of everyone's suspicion. And they were right when they all went and immediately tried to withdraw their crypto. And the guy didn't have enough to pay everybody. But the crazier thing to me is how tied in these people are to this kid from the government and, and these connected, powerful people. Here's some more stuff I'm going to read you. The general counsel of FTX, the, the, the attorney, okay, used to be lead counsel to Gary Gensler when he was the CFTC chair, okay? So remember, Gary Gensler is the chair of, or the, uh, of, the, of the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission. Before he got that job... He was the chair of the CFTC. The CTFC is the Commodities and Futures Trading Commission. These people are responsible for overseeing the trading of commodities and futures. Commodities are things like gold, silver, whatnot. 
Okay, don't worry about futures. So, so he used to regulate futures trading, gold, silver, grain, pork, oil, all those hard things that you can touch and produce. He used to oversee the trading of that. His attorney that represented him when he worked at that job is the same attorney that represented Sam Bankman Freed with FTX. Okay, so now Sam Bankman Freed and Gary Gensler shared the same attorney. Okay, that's one thing. Sam Bankman Freed, his mother was Hillary Clinton's lawyer. <laughs> okay, this just keeps getting better. This keeps getting better. Okay, Gabe Bankman Freed, which was Sam's brother, was also a trader of the same company called Jane Street. They all worked at the same trading company. He was a founder of guarding the guarding guarding against pandemics. It's a it's a legislative correspondent for the U.S. House of Representatives as an advisor to large political donors donors in the Democrat Party. So his brother was an advisor. To, he, was a, he was a go-between between the House of Representatives and the donors. Okay, that was his brother. The aunt, Linda Freed, she's a member of the World Economic Forum on the Global Agenda Council for Gaging. A- gaging. <laughs> for aging. Okay, this keeps getting better. Sam Bankman Freed's father, Joseph Bankman, Stanford professor who has lobbied on behalf of hedge fund managers before Congress. They have this on film, okay? So he's gone to Congress, and he's pursued laws that make it easier for hedge funds, okay? Hedge funds are just these highly risky, speculative way of investing that used to be intended to preserve wealth, but over time, they got riskier and riskier to increase wealth. You're about to see hedge funds go away. Hedge funds are going to explode, is my prediction, in the next 12 months. So you're going to, remember, you're going to hear hedge funds a lot. So his dad was a professor who lobbied on behalf of hedge funds before Congress. Okay, FTX, head of ventures and commercial at FTX Ventures, was Amy Wu. She started the Clinton Foundation years ago. <laughs> okay, okay. Nasad Singh, FTX Director of Engineering, has spent over $8 million on Democrat candidates. Obama's Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or Commissioner, Mark Wetgen, was head of the FTX Policy and Regulations. <laughs> okay? So, remember, Gary Gensler used to be the chairman of the CFTC, Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Okay? Whenever Obama was president, the guy who filled that role, his name was Mark Wetgen. Okay? He was the head of FTX, the company that Sam Bankman-Fried started, he was the head of their policy and regulation department, air quotes, okay? All right, chief regulatory officer of FTX. This is the guy who's behind everything, okay? Dan Friedberg was previously a lawyer at Ultimate Bet. Basically, it's a site where they cheated gambling players, it was a it was a known deal. So there you have it. Oh wait, there's one more. Stuart Hogner, general counselor at Bitfinex slash Tether, was previously director of compliance at Expasa, which was responsible for the ultimate ultimate bet poker software. Okay, so anyway, that that dude Stuart Hogner was uh, responsible for the software that Dan Friedberg used when he was cheating players at the ultimate bet site. So. That's not that important, but this guy, Stuart Hoger, also has some involvements with this other exchange and this thing called Tether. 
not that important. But there you have it. Those are the critical associations tied with this, guys. So one of two things is going to happen. All these corrupt politicians that were involved in this scheme are going down. Or nothing will happen to any of them. And Sam's going to take the fall for all of them. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think that they're going to throw this kid under the bus. They're going to make an example out of him. They are going to hang him out to dry in order to preserve their own well-being. Now, I hope justice prevails. I hope some people go after these guys because there is just too many people there who know WTF is going on. Okay, I could understand if this was like the, the guy who started the crypto exchange out of his dorm room and things just got out of hand and he didn't know what to do and he just, he just let it spiral out of control. I, I could understand. I would cut the kid some slack. But he had people around him telling him what to do, how to do this, how to go get regulation passed, how that if he's the one that leads regulation, he'll get the monopoly on a regulated exchange. When the entire time they were doing the most shady things they could have possibly done. If this comes to light, if justice prevails, this is going to make Enron seem minuscule. This, this will be something that's talked about forever. The crypto market cap, the entire value of all the crypto space at one time was over $3 trillion. $3 trillion. I estimate that about 2% of that, no, maybe more, other than Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin's included in that number. So we're going to take Bitcoin out. I'll talk about that some other time, but Bitcoin is not part of this whole mess. It's completely separate. I know, I know you're probably thinking, you just say that, but Bitcoin is like the rest of them. But if I can explain to you why Bitcoin's like not like the rest of them, then we'll have that conversation later. So if you take out Bitcoin from that market cap, right? All market cap means is that the value of each individual token or currency times the number of tokens that are out there. That's the market cap. It's the value of all the cryptocurrency and all the land. So if you take Bitcoin out, I estimate that about 2 to 3% of what's left was actually productive value created by these technology companies who have a vision of the future and are trying to change the way we do things. The other 97 or 98% was people just creating these protocols and submitting these tokens to exchanges. And then these exchanges would just pump up the price. And they could manipulate them and move them around and, and make the price start to go up. And then everyone else starts buying. And then they know exactly when to sell because it's all in an algorithm. And there's going to be more and more and more of these things explode. So if you're out there, if you have your cryptocurrency on anything other than a cold wallet, get it off. Move it to a cold wallet. If you need to know how, you can email me at brandontheharper at gmail.com. And just for the record, SBF said in an interview like three months ago that he had planned on spending a billion dollars contributing to the Democrat Party in 2024. So I don't know. You know, do your own judgment. If this makes me a right-wing conspiracy theorist, then that's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking actually about getting a tattoo somewhere. I'm not a tattoo guy. I don't have any tattoos. But I'm thinking about getting one that says right-wing conspiracy theorist. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would be funny to label myself as that. And then that way, you know, I could always say, well, you know, I am a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Lest we not forget that conspiracy theories are oftentimes just spoiler alerts. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see how this thing shakes out. 
you're probably thinking, dude, how did you figure out all this information? Well, I'll tell you how. <laughs> I've been on Twitter and the internet and YouTube for like five days straight, taking in nothing but information about this. So I did the work for you. You don't have to do it. Understand what I told you, and then you can go to the office, and you can be the genius. One, two, three, four, five. Then the gators don't take no jive. Don't take no jive. All right, man. That's it. Hour and five minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. I hope you listen to the end. I hope you understand these things about these crooked people and politicians. And I know a lot of you may think, well, you sure have been talking a lot of good things about cryptocurrency for so long. And now all of a sudden you're saying that you knew all this was going to happen. I did. I said it's going to happen. I've always said it's going to happen. I've always said that it does not stop me from buying Bitcoin. Okay. And this is the difference. Bitcoin is one thing. And all these other 19,999 of them are called shit coins because they don't do anything. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to know more, just keep listening and I'll keep talking. Bitcoin's different. It is different. It is thought to have gone to zero so many times over and it hasn't because of the value that it brings. Don't think it can be regulated away and I don't think it's going to zero because there are other countries and the rest of the world who will need it desperately because their monetary systems are collapsing before our eyes. If you don't believe me, just do your own research, you know? You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe my theory that China, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and all them dudes are slowly buying up all the gold. Then what happens when they have all the gold bought up? And they're not buying it fast. They're buying it slow because they don't want to push the price up. So what happens when they have their all their stockpiles of gold? They're going to dump U.S. Treasuries on the market, and they're going to crash our bond market. And their plan is to destroy the U.S. dollar. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I don't know if I am. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't had anyone tell me, you're wrong, and this is why. Here, here's why that can't happen. Because I'm just a stupid former construction worker, honestly. Like, I don't have an education in this sort of thing. I read about it because it's interesting to me, and I speculate. So, you know what? Somebody tell me why I'm wrong. Maybe it's somebody who also knows why it's important to have transgender bathrooms. Yeah, you can convince me of both. You can, you, can, you can convince me of both, maybe. But I do appreciate you listening to my rant of a podcast today. I hope, hope it didn't seem ranty. I hope you understood the connections between all this corruption going on in crypto land. And I hope it doesn't scare you away. Because I do think the blockchain technology will change the future. This is just going to set us back a little bit. But you know what that means for me? A buying opportunity. I hope Bitcoin goes down to $3,000 or 2000 I really do. I would load the boat. I would empty every change drawer that I have. I would empty out all, all my savings accounts of every dime that I have if Bitcoin falls below $5,000. You mark my word. Mark my word. And I am now leaving this podcast to go jump on with Cousin Harry to do an episode of Old Dog New Tricks, which if you've never listened to that, don't don't go listen to it <laughs> you'll think to yourself dude those guys are idiots why why in the world would i listen to those guys they have no clue what they're talking about it's basically a phone call between a 40 something year old and a 20 something year old you can imagine it's like it's sometimes it's like the skit where they take the two cell phones and they put them on speaker and they both call the different chinese food restaurants at the same time and they put the phones next to each other <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that's what people are hearing when they listen to me and Harry. 
Thanks again for listening to Life of Paradise Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Go out there. Have a great week. Buy some. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your own money. Keep close tabs on this crypto situation. Enjoy the cold weather. Go outside. Be active. And do something special. Our melodies pure and pure.